Jerusalem army rising. The church is the breeding grounds for raising godly men and women who are willing to apply kingdom principles and values to bring transformation to their respective societies. We need to have a national focus. We don't have to lose this ambition or else we work against the Great Commission. They are equipped in righteousness. Unless our righteousness exceeds those who just know ABC and surprise others to do, but they don't do, unless we exceed that. We pray for God to raise right ministers in our nations. We pray for God to raise right task collectors. We pray for God to raise right security agents. They are bold and fearless. Standing your ground when the battle has been heated to such an extent that everyone is running away. But we don't quit, for we know no defeat. The agenda to possess the nations. Welcome to an equipping center of the word and prayer on Pentecost hour. Stay tuned in. We are embarking on the theme of the year 2022. And my assignment this morning is to speak on a theme, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. One of the armory or the armor that God has given to his church. So let's take our Bible reading from Ephesians chapter 6 and we read from verse 17. Ephesians 6 and we read from verse 17. Let's hear the word of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I repeat the reading again. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Looking into this verse, there is no doubt that you can see a command therein. God is saying, take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. We have gathered here as apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the word. One of our primary goal or responsibility is to equip the body of Christ, is to equip the believers that God has placed in our care. We have to help them to stand on their grounds so that no doctrine that is from hell will disturb their salvation. If the devil has one objective that he wants to work hard towards, is to let people believe that maybe there is even no devil, no Satan. There is an author called Dibak Copra. He's from the New Age movement. And he has come up with a book. And one of his emphasis is that healthy people do not need to have any need 
for Satan. What is he trying to arrive at? Depak is saying, if you are healthy, if you are sound, if you are, if you are okay, there is no need for you to think of devil. So in, in totality, he's saying that there is no devil, you shouldn't care about him. Let, let, let us focus on life and let us live life in its fullness. And I believe that is what many people today are thinking of. Don't think of devil, don't think of Satan. And life must go on. But you know, church, leaders, we have been born into a battlefield. We are at war. A war started long before we came to being. And we are caught up between this war. The irony of the whole thing is that the one that we are fighting with, the devil, he has got many names. Sometimes he's called the adversary. Sometimes he's called the devil. Sometimes he's called the deceiver. Sometimes he's called the accuser of brethren and the evil one and many more. He does not fight in fairness. No. He has many strategic ways of fighting his opponents. His main target is God, but he can't fight God. So those that love God, he fights with them. You know, he fights us through discouragement. He fights us through lies. And he fights us through uh, uh, deceit. He can even sometimes turn himself into an angel of light. He is the prince of darkness. But for him to deceive people, he can turn himself sometimes to be an angel of light so that he will snare people. Considering this behavior and the way that he does things, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, one day was in prison in Rome. Then the Holy Spirit inspired him to come up with a writing. And he began to write the book of the Ephesians. And as he began to detect and put down the words inspired by the Holy Spirit, he came up with what we just read. Ephesus to Paul was a place that he will never forget because in his writings, one time he said, I fought the beast at Ephesus. It was in Ephesus that when he ministered, he caught the whole city and many people brought their magical books for them to be burned. It was in Ephesus that his aprons and his handkerchief began to bring healing to people. It was in Ephesus that the sons of Sceva wanted to imitate Paul and caught up somebody who was possessed and began to cast the devil out of that person. That demon saw the face of the sons of Sceva and said, for Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? And, 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 and he held them hostage and gave them a great beating. And that news spread throughout the whole city of Ephesus. 
And no, it was the same Ephesus that the people revolted and even wanted to kill Paul. But God gave him great victory. It was in Ephesus that God stood by him and said, do not be quiet. I have many people in this city. Therefore, preach the word. So Paul knew and understands spiritual battles. As he began to pen the book for the church in Ephesus, he brought to light that believers are at war front. We are at the battlefield. And we shouldn't joke because our enemy, the adversary, he's poised to defeat us. He's very serious. Therefore, believers shouldn't take this battle for granted. If you carefully study the book of Ephesus, or, yeah, that book of Ephesians, a theologian called W.O. Carver, a Baptist theologian, said he has read books, but the book of Ephesians surpasses every book that he has written or he has read. Because it contains a lot of gems, a lot of precious things from the Holy Spirit. Believers need to take time and study the word of God and to know much about it. Somebody will say that if people in this world are at war with the devil, for me, I don't want trouble. I will not be part of it. You cannot stand as a neutral person. You are either for Christ or you are for the devil. And God hasn't called us for a truce, meaning that to, to, to negotiate with the devil. No. We are to stand against him. Therefore, believers, we have been admonished to take the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. You know, when Paul was detecting these words, I believe the picture that came into his mind was a Roman sword that is called gladius. Gladius is not the long sword. It is a short one. Somebody says it will be around 18 inches or one cubic. It is like from the elbow to this place. A short one. And it is worn by Roman soldiers at their right time in their belt. And every Roman soldier must have this sword. If you are recruited into an army as a Roman soldier, the very day that they will enlist you, you have to possess that sword. It is for your protection. It is for your security. And they always wear them at their right side. You know, the left hand is supposed to handle your shield. And your right hand is supposed to handle that sword. No matter how you are. Some people are left-handed people and most of us are right-handed people. But no matter who you are, even if you are a right, left-handed person, you have to handle your shield with your left arm and handle your sword with your right one. And sometimes these Roman soldiers will stand shoulder to shoulder. 
maybe 500 of them in one room. And the shield is there to protect all of them. And the sword is there for you to use it. To defend yourself, to protect yourself, and to do warfare with that sword. So when Paul was detecting, or the Holy Spirit gave Paul this message, this was the picture that was coming to mind. That a believer must know where to wear your sword. A believer must know how to handle your sword. A believer must always do warfare with your sword. How did the master use the sword? How did Christ use the sword? We can take a cue or great learning from how Jesus used this sword and it will bring great light into our work with the Lord. And it is shown in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4 from verse 1 going. And I want to explain how Jesus used this kind of weapon. At that time, Jesus was around 30 years old or age. He came to Jordan where John was baptizing. As he appeared in Jordan and John saw him, John said, why are you coming to me? It is rather I who should have come to you because you are righteous. There is no sin on you. I need baptism from you. Jesus responded, I want to fulfill all righteousness. Therefore, allow. So Christ was baptized. Immediately after the baptism, he was led by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness. And the Bible said he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he was about to break, when he was at his low ebb, when he was very weak, the devil, the tempter, came and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread and eat. Listen to the statement of the devil. If you are the son of God. Simply means that he wants Christ to doubt his identity. You know, it was only 40 days ago that heaven opened. And a voice from heaven cried out, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Most of the people there heard it. And now the devil is saying, If indeed you are the son of God, command the stones to become bread and eat it. The temptation was tough. The first Adam fell by food. Now this is the second Adam who has come. He has power to turn stones into bread, yes. But he will not receive instructions and directions and commands from the evil one. 
So he picked up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quoted the scriptures and it pierced through the heart of the devil. He said, oh, this one is not like the first Adam. Oh, hallelujah. Then the devil took him to the pinnacle. Josephus says, from Mount Kidron Valley to that height is over, over 400 feet high. And the devil brought Christ to that place and said, you quoted the scriptures and I will also quote the scripture. Fall from this place because it is written. He will, take, he will command his angels to take charge of you so that you will not dash your feet to a stone. It's scriptural from Psalms 90. Then Jesus looked at him and said, it is written, you should not put to test the Lord your God. Or you should not put the Lord your God to test. Deuteronomy 6 verse 16. So Jesus always quoted from scriptures. And I believe it also had a blow on the devil. Then he brought him to one of the highest mountains upon the earth and said, look into the nations and the kingdoms of this world. It belongs to me. It is mine. I know you have come to this world to, to take this power from me. You need not to go to Gethsemane and pray so much so that you will be, your sweat will become blood. You need not to go to Gabata where you will be beaten to a point that your flesh will get out from your body. You need not to go to Golgotha whereby you will be crucified on the cross and experience pain. Just Bow down and worship me, and I will give all these kingdoms to you. It is mine. It is mine. Just a bow, just a worship. You don't have to go to Gethsemane. You don't have to go to Gabata. You don't have to go to Golgotha. Just bow and worship, and I will give everything to you. Jesus knew him that he was a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus picked up the sword of the spirit that is called the word of God and said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God only and he is the one you have to save. Deuteronomy 6, 13 and Deuteronomy 10, 20. If you study the temptations very well, Jesus always quoted from Deuteronomy. And it is one of the books that many scholars have had problems with. Because the devil hates that book. Yet it is the word of God. 
It has power to destroy the evil one. And the Bible said the devil left him because, because the power of the sword of the spirit was too much for him. And he departed from him. Church, it is called the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. It is not called the sword of God the Father. It is not called the sword of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But it is called the sword of the Spirit. Why? Why? Maybe these are the reasons. It is the Holy Spirit who inspired people to write this holy book of God called the Word of God. If you read Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, let's take that reading. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, and I read. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of man. But the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy, the Holy Spirit picked humans like Moses, someone like David, somebody like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and he inspired them and they came up with this book. So it is, it, the Holy Spirit is the owner, the author of this book. Sometimes it marvels us, as Jesus came into the world, we never heard him writing a book. The reason is that he knows for sure it is the business of the Holy Spirit. He will do that. He has started the old. He will continue with the, with the new. So he left that business into the hands of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this powerful weapon in the hand of a believer is called the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Church, we have to know how to handle this mighty gift of the Holy Spirit. We know he is gentle like dove, but his weapon is so powerful. We know he's so smooth and soft, like an oil, but his weapon has power, and no one can stand before it. We know he's called gentle spirit, but his sword, his weapon, has potency. As a result of that church, we need to carry this weapon, this arm, given to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, 
this weapon of the spirit has got a cutting edge. It can pierce, it can, it can demolish, it can, it can destroy all the works of the enemy. If a believer will know how to handle it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, listen to how the writer of the Hebrews said it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of souls and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It has power. It has power. When the word of God is rightly preached by someone full of the Holy Spirit, it can convict a sinner, a hardened criminal, even to weep and come before the Lord. In the course of our ministry, we have seen people coming to the Lord with tears. You won't tell them to kneel, but they will kneel down and begin to cry and confess their sins. Why? Because of this spirit of God, the sword of God, that is the word of God. If the word is rightly preached, people who are damn criminals can turn and become saints because of the power of the word of God. I pray that believers, Christians, pastors, will know how to use this great weapon and it will bring great transformation and great change into the lives of men and churches all over. It has power to transform. And you know, it is not only the spirits who have to use it. You know, God intends that every believer, the sword of the spirit, must be your sword. It's intended for you. It is my sword. It should be your sword that you will use it day in and day out to, 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 to protect yourself and to walk with it wherever you go. Know the word and handle it properly. If you, if you study or read the writings of one of the saints that has gone to be with the Lord, to be with the Lord, a Puritan book called The Pregnant Progress. John Bunyan was coming up with a piece and in his writings he described how somebody called Christian was going to the celestial city. And as he was journeyed towards this celestial city, he met the devil who called himself Abolian. And John Bunyan explained that this one has a body of a scales like a fish. He has got a face like a lion. He has got a wings like an eagle. And he came to attack the Christian. He met a Christian and said, why are you leaving my kingdom? He said, I'm tired of your kingdom. I want to go to the celestial city. 
And I know in your kingdom, it is doomed. In your kingdom, there is a day coming that it will get burned. In your kingdom, the anger of the Lord will one day rise upon those that are in your kingdom. And I'm going to the celestial city. I don't have part to be played with you. The devil tried to entice him that, oh, just go back. I will know how to manage you. I will not put burdens on you. I will try to make things lighter. I will do this. I will do that. But Christian said, no, I will never go into your kingdom. I am on my way to the celestial city. Then this Abolian changed his status and began to fight Christian. He gave him knocks and slashes. And it is said that Christian fell and has bruises on his body. But Christian did something. The, 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 the writing says he picked his sword, the sword of the spirit. That is the word of God. And he quoted from Micah 7, 8. Says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise again. And when I am in darkness, the Lord will be my light. The quote from the book of Micah that he pronounced was like, was like a sword that hit the devil. And he began to be attentive. Then Christian quoted another one. He said, in all these things, we are more than conqueror through the one who loved us. Abolian ran away from Christian. And Christian got up. And the hand came and gave him a leaf just to cover his bruises. And all those bruises and pain disappeared. And Christian continued his journey. The word of God from the mouth of a believer is so powerful. Therefore, Christian, know your soul. Don't joke with it. Handle it very well. When a believer begins to quote the word of God, with understanding, with meaning, it has power in spiritual realm. Oh, hallelujah. The word of God. Now, I want to come up with seven practical things that we leaders and believers should do. Number one, let us encourage every believer to own a Bible. Whenever anybody comes to the Lord, let us make sure the person owns the word, a word of God, a Bible. Sometimes it is good to throw a party for them, let them eat. But the best among them all is to make sure every believer has got a scripture, a Bible, a Bible, Bible. You know, when a believer didn't have a Bible, he has not started his Christian journey yet. If a believer doesn't have the word of God, he has not started his Christian journey yet. So let us make sure every member in the church do have the word of God, Bible, in their own language, where or how they can read it. Now, thank God we do have the electronic ones. They can download it from, from the app store, and there are electronic sword all over called e-sword application all over. There are Bibles that can be downloaded on their tablets and their phones and everywhere, everywhere. But let us encourage every believer to have a Bible. 
We have a Bible. Some of our local weeks, we can, we can organize money and, 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 and make it easy for anyone who comes to the Lord to have access to scriptures. Because if you don't have a Bible, you have not started your Christian journey yet. Number two, it is not only to have the Bible, we ought to read it. Read the word. Read the scriptures. Read the word of God. There are many homes when you go to, they will display kinds of scriptures to you. They will tell you, ha, I have NIV. I have KJV. I have Jerusalem Bible version. I have Geneva one. Name them. And they would display it for everybody to know that, ah, their houses are full of scriptures. It's good to have all those versions. But the best among them all is for a believer to read the word. Take time and read it. Because, you know, our enemy, the devil, has read it. No wonder he can quote from scriptures. Verbatim. So, church, Christians, we need to encourage the members to read the word of God. Sometimes you can, you, you can set up a week. This week we are taking up the book of Matthew. So come next Sunday. I want to see every member finishing the book of Matthew. And I want to even to memorize and come up with, with verses from Matthew for us to know that we have all taken the book very serious. Let us motivate our people to read the word of God. To read the word of God read the word of God. Number three, it is not only to have the Bible, to read the Bible, but we have to study the Bible. Study the word. Study. Somebody studying the word of God will begin to ask himself a lot of questions. Questions like, who wrote this Bible or this portion of scripture? Why was it written? What is he saying? And what can I do? Take time. Don't rush because you want to finish this chapter. Somebody studying the word of God will read it slowly. Take every word by word trying to find meaning of it and know the reason why that verse is there. Study the word of God. It will sadden you to know that people who don't study the word of God, most people or some of them even, even backslide and, and go back. It will sadden you to know that a believer will backslide and go back and become a Muslim. Why? Because he's not well vexed in the word of God. He didn't know the word of God. And we begin to tell others that ah, I have not seen the light. Shame. Disgrace. If you have studied the word of God, you'll be a balanced person and know what to do at every given moment. So we have to study the word of God. Not only should we study the word of God, number four, we have to meditate upon the word. 
Take time and meditate. After reading it, after studying it, meditate upon the word. Take time, require it before the Lord. And the, the, the author of this book called the Bible, the Holy Spirit himself will sit by you and begin to, to interpret, reveal the deeper secrets therein to you. Take time and meditate upon the word. Meditate upon the word. Especially we preachers, we pastors, we equipers, we must spend time and meditate upon the word so that deeper things will be revealed to us to know God's intent for his church. Don't rush. Meditate upon his word. And, and, and a normal verse that you've been reading very often will become a germ to you. Meditate on the word. And not only should we meditate the word, we also ought to memorize the word. Memorize. Sometimes we think memorization is for children. So when they come home with their little paper written test on it, we see them struggle memorizing the word of God and we think that, ah, for me, I have passed that age. Come on. We, no one is above the age of memorization. So church, we have to memorize, leaders, we have to memorize the word of God. As we study how Jesus used this weapon called the sword of the spirit, he just quoted them verbatim from his spirit. He has already studied the book. He knows the book. So when the tempter came, it just came and he began to memorize it. And as he was quoting, he was using the sword of the spirit effectively. Memorize it. And in the days of danger, in the days of adversity, the Holy Spirit will bring it to light. And as it comes from your lips or your mouth, it will have power to destroy the works of the enemy. Memorize the word. And it will be a great help to you. Not only shall we memorize the word, after studying it, after meditating upon it, after memorization of it, we must obey the word. We must obey it. Obey the word. There are many people who know scriptures, they have just learned it from school, but they don't obey. So the word doesn't have impact in their soul. If we can make difference, we ought to obey the instructions, obey the word of God. Let us be obedient to the word. And as we become very obedient to the word of God, the Lord will use this great weapon in our hands and to destroy the works of the enemy. Obey the word. And last among them is to believe it. Believe the word. Believe it. Believe every dot, every word that the scriptures or the word of God brings to light. Believe it. Don't be just somebody who reads for others, but read it for yourself. 
believe the content of the scripture and it will help you to grow to become a mature leader in the Lord. Own the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the word, memorize it, obey the word, believe this word, walk by it, and it will be well with your soul. The command of God is very clear to every believer. Take the sword of the spirit. That is the word of God. Take it. Don't let it go. Take it. It is your mandate. Take it. Because you know you have many enemies in your life. And you have to use this sword to defend yourself and to protect yourself. One of the greatest enemies is living very close to you. He is your own body. The devil is there. And the world around you, they are always fighting against you. Therefore, you need this word to protect your life. To fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes, you will be struck by doubt in your journey with God. You begin even to doubt your salvation. You begin even to doubt who you are. But if you have the sword of the spirit, it will begin to bring many promises of God to bear. And you will be able to stand on your feet. And you will never fall. Take up this sword. The enemy is always aggressive to take up your soul. He thinks and he wants to damn your spirit. But thank God he has given us a great weapon. And this weapon is the sword of the spirit. Don't put it aside. Take it. Don't leave it anyhow. Take it and use it. And the Holy Spirit will back his word. And God will bring victory to your life. Let us encourage the church to study this word. And the Holy Spirit will use God's word. And he will bring victory into our Christian work. May the Lord bless us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we be on our feet? Thanks for listening to today's word. Subscribe to our social media handles for life-transforming messages.